the stages. Yeah, I mean, you could get away with stuff like, and, and not just like stand up, but like music and everything else. It's just like, and you ran about stuff, and people just let it go. It's like, oh, he, he's being an artist, you know? That's that's just creativity at work. Right, right. It, it, it's almost like kind of like being British. Like being British? They let, they let British people say whatever they want. It's just because they have that accent. <laughs> and you're like, did they really just say that? Uh, but it's just him being him. Yeah. <laughs> He's being British. Covering the NFL in the same way that Taylor Swift covers George Michael, welcome to the Kickoff Express Radio Hour. Today's guest, NFL running back Jonas Gray. And now, the love child of Bruce Willis and George Kisvansa, your master of ceremonies, Josh Circle. It's great to be back in the podcast game, I'm going to tell you that right now. We've got a, a great show, Jonas Gray, uh, NFL running back. Spent this past season with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, was on the practice squad. We'll be looking to make another team in 2017. We're going to talk about Black Monday and what that's like from a player's perspective. What did he notice that he liked in 2016 from a, from a player's perspective? And uh, get his thoughts on some of the hot teams that he thinks are hot uh, heading to the playoffs this year. Let's do a little coaching carousel update and just these are not some of these are intentionally sexy picks and and look by the time you're listening to this some of these vacancies are going to be filled that's just the way it is we're just going to deal with it and I am going to give you some of my picks some of these are are, are things that I this is a fusion of things that I think are going to happen and, and coaches that I want to see get these jobs and we could start in Buffalo Anthony Lynn uh Man, what a career truck he's had already. Running backs coach, offensive coordinator, uh, to interim head coach. And now apparently this is his job to lose in Buffalo. Uh, he is uh, doing the tour. He's interviewing a couple other places. But uh, you know, Jared Pagula said this is his job to lose. So I, I think he has enough of a head start there. Uh, he knows what's ahead of him. Uh, Tyler Taylor probably not going to be the quarterback, at least not with this contract. Uh, but the players want him there. Uh, it's a natural contrast to, to what Rex Bryant brought to the table. And uh, I see Pagula getting this done. I really do. And if not, there's a there's a sexy pick out there, Frank Reich. Yes, that Frank Reich, who was uh, the offensive coordinator uh, on Doug Peterson's staff in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, it, it's Tyron Taylor's we throw checkdowns. Uh, a little joke inside of Philadelphia joke there. Uh, Frank Reich might be the guy. We need to see Frank Reich back at Buffalo, especially on the sideline. Uh, you know where he was so much before because he backed up uh, Jim Kelly. Uh, that would be pretty cool, though. Now, let's go to Denver. Kyle Shanahan used to live in Denver when his dad, Mike, was a coach there. That was Mike Shanahan coach from 1995 to 2008. Uh, obvious, well-documented success there. Uh, I- I'm not sure he's going to get this job, though. Dave Taub, the Kansas City special teams coach, uh, is interviewed, and then they're saying this could be his job to lose. And then the interesting thing here, though, uh, if John Elway wants to keep Wade Phillips, and I strongly suggest he would, uh, there is a fantastic uh, complimentary, a symbiosis, if you will, 
uh, with Wade Phillips and Kyle Shanahan. Let Kyle run the offense, let Wade run the defense. Uh, you could go 50-50 there. You hired a young guy like Kyle Shanahan, uh, who did not have a lot of success in Washington, who did not have a lot of success in Cleveland. Uh, this may not be a, a, a row you want to hoe, uh, certainly by yourself. If Wade's available, I think that's an option. Uh, if he's not available, uh, I think it's more likely uh, that we see Dave Taub uh, bagging that job in Denver. Jacksonville is, is more interesting for me. Uh, you look at what Harold Goodwin, offensive coordinator of the, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, did for Carson Palmer uh, on Bruce Arians' staff, helped resurrect his career. You know, Sean Conn's going to be thinking he could do that for Blake Bortles as well. Uh, the Gus Bradley hire did not work out. I mean, that's just no other way to put it. Uh, he was patient. I think Bortles' only problem was Dave Caldwell. You know, uh, that roster in Jacksonville is a dumpster fire. And uh, Mike Smith, who, who might be a front runner for this job, who is uh, the, the defensive coordinator of Tampa Bay, he may not want to deal with more front office drama like he had to deal with in Atlanta. Uh, I think Harold Goodwin, a guy who uh, everybody is saying deserves a shot. Uh, this could be his shot in Jacksonville. I would like to see him bang that shot. Los Angeles is a, is a weird one. Uh, defensive coordinator in Detroit, Terry Austin, uh, just one of uh, a slew of names being bandied about. Carolina uh, assistant head coach Steve Wilkes. Sorry, I'm having trouble reading my own notes. Uh, Washington offensive coordinator Sean McVay. Uh, John Fossil who was a special teams coordinator in the interim coach with the record of Jeff Fisher, he had an interview on Monday, but he did not really sound optimistic. I mean, the, the Warriors basically fired up. Like Greg Williams is gone, Brock Boris is gone. That staff has been dismantled. They said, go ahead and interview somewhere else. Uh, I think Fassel was just eager to sort of offer his thoughts on, on what the Rams could do in the future. Uh, I, I don't think they go that direction, though. I, I, if they don't get Terrell Lawson, uh, if they don't get a sexy candidate, and look, there's no, there are no sexy candidates out there. I don't care you know, who you ask, and you can say Dunbarone all you want. I don't care. He is not moving the needle. He's not going to boost your season ticket sales. A guy who would do that, though, if you could get him out of New Orleans, would be Sean Payton. Now, Sean is a relatively young by head coaching standards. He's 52, but he loves being in New Orleans. He loves working with Drew Brees. He's even speculated about retiring. Uh, even though his contract runs uh, another four years, I think it's 2020 through 2020. Uh, Sean Payton is the guy who himself football in Los Angeles, and uh, if he if he could be pried out of the French Quarter, uh, that would be an exciting move. Not only for Rams fans, but for football fans in general, uh, I'd love to see him work with Jared Goff and, and keep the good times rolling at least on the quarterback front. San Diego, Mike McCoy did not work out. Do they go from offense to try defense this time? Matt Patricia, uh, I believe, has already interviewed with them. Uh, Terrell Austin is certainly going to be another candidate uh, on this team. They uh, they need to do something in San Diego, or whether it's San Diego or Los Angeles, wherever they're going to be. I have not been keeping up with the stadium stuff. It, it, it just kind of makes me sick. Uh, could Kyle Shanahan be a candidate for this job? You know, Philip Rivers, I think, would, would certainly love the chance to work with an offensive guy. Uh, he had an offensive guy, though. Let's see what, uh, what they do in San Diego. And then San Francisco is a, a really weird situation. they got to get a general manager first. Uh, Elliot Wolf, uh, yes, uh, sort of Ron Wolf. Uh, Elliot now an executive in Green Bay. He's, he's getting a look for this job, the general manager job in San Francisco. Uh, Louis Riddick, ESPN analyst, getting a look for this job as well. And... Uh, 
we really don't have a beat on, on which direction they're going to go. At least I don't feel like we do. Uh, until they hire a general manager to look, the, you know, the Yorks have, have interviewed Anthony Lynn, uh, Tom Cable, uh, Seattle offensive line coach. Remember, he used to coach the Raiders uh, about 150 years ago. He's on their list. And then Josh McDaniels, who I haven't mentioned a lot, but he's, he's in the periphery for a lot of these jobs, too. Uh, two things working against Josh McDaniels. Uh, that awful stint in Denver uh, when he was a junior coach for the Broncos, drafted Tim Tebow, uh, well-documented failure there. And also the fact that Patriots are going to be in the playoffs, most likely. Uh, they're off this weekend. They're going to be playing next weekend. Most likely playing the following weekend as well. So you may not be able to get Josh McDaniels in the door uh, for another two or three weeks, and you'll be that much further behind uh, in terms of building your staff, in terms of getting uh, uh, your philosophy together, and all those other uh, minutiae details that you have to do to nail down. Uh, and, and to do that with as dysfunctional an organization as you already have in San Francisco, uh, you're just that much farther behind already. So we'll see them hire a general manager first, and then we can talk about head coach. All right. Uh, Jonas Gray. Uh, I had a chance. Look, I, I, I'm taping this after the fact. Uh, Jonas and I have done the interview. Uh, it's about 20-25 minutes long. I told him I'd keep it for 15. We had some technical issues. You'll notice that if you haven't noticed it already uh, in terms of uh, the sound quality. We're going to improve. Look, I'm in a satellite office right now. I'm away from my contemporary studio. Uh, I'm very grateful to Jonas. He's candid. He's funny. He's insightful. And uh, he was just a joy to talk to. And I think you're going to enjoy listening to this. Uh, we're going to have a guest booked for next week. Aaron Negler. Uh, my good friend, formerly Bleacher Report, uh, the, uh, beat writer for the Packers, the Green, excuse me, the Green Bay Post Gazette, uh, does the Packers beat for them. And, and obviously continuing to crush it on that front. Listen for that next week. We're going to do one of these every week. Uh, we'll do it through the draft, through training camp. And, uh, look, I'm back, baby. This is where we are right now. Uh, plenty more to come, but, uh, we'll have Jonas Gray right after this. This is going to be a podcast. Uh, this is my very first podcast coming back in like two years. I was doing a radio show for about uh, a year. I had, had a couple of kids. Don't have kids if you want to have a career. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so I've been off for like a year and a half, and this is literally like my first interview back in like a year and a half. So uh, I'm thrilled that you, nice. and I, you and I are going on this journey together, Jonas, and I, I just could not be thrilled. I like it, man. I'm glad you uh, gave, gave me the opportunity to be one of your first first guys back, man. No, the first guy, the first, not one of the first. You're my fa- and you're my favorite. Right. You're my favorite Jonas brother. I don't know if I mentioned that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, our first guest, our very first guest for the Kickoff Express Radio Hour, uh, former running back for New England Patriots, had a monster game, uh, 200 yard rushing game. The first guy in NFL history, if I have that right, where his first game. Scored four rushing touchdowns. You can find him online at thejonasgray.com. He is on Twitter at jgray underscore nd25. Uh, former Notre Dame alumnus and former New England Patriot running back Jonas Gray joining us on the show. Jonas, thank you. Your very first guy, numero uno. Uh, how are things going tonight in Houston, in Houston, Texas? Um, it's actually a little cold for Houston right now, but uh, other than that, it's a nice night. And I'm glad to be on with you. I'm, I'm 
so thrilled to have you. Uh, this is awesome. So we're going to talk about football, Black Monday, and I'm trying to be very serious, like getting all these questions ready for you. And like, and I try to do research. I really do. Some people don't think I do. Um, but I'm going through the stuff, and I find out like you do stand-up comedy, and you open for Screech. Is that right? Yeah, that that was many many years ago. <laughs> oh, many years ago, it, it, it might have been my my sophomore year of college. Okay, that would have been two thousand and ten, maybe two thousand and eleven. Because you had a reputation, even with the Patriots. Because I, I think this is a Boston dot com where I read this. You have a reputation for being like a funny guy, and uh, you were just telling jokes. And, and like I heard your, I heard one of your sets. However long ago it was, and like I like your style of comedy because you you do what I would do, and that like you don't really tell jokes, you just like rip people for being stupid. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it's just something about you know people watching and then talking about it that's funny. People, just observing people. Yeah, and people relate to that because it's like it's stuff that they would not normally say. Right, uh, that they want to oh, wow. say it, but they but they don't know how to say it, or they, they don't know when they should say it. Now, do you still... So, so, so the stage is a safe place. The stage is... Yeah, I mean, you could get away with stuff, like, and, and not just, like, stand-up, but, like, music and everything else. It's just, like, and you rant about stuff, and people just let it go. It's like, oh, he, he's being an artist, you know? That's, that's just creativity at work. Right, right. It, it, it's almost like kind of like being British. Like being British, they let they let British people say whatever they want. Is it because they have the accent? <laughs> and you're like, did they really just say that? Uh, but it's just him being him. Yeah, he's <laughs> being British, and they sound so articulate when they're, they're ripping you a new asshole, <laughs> talking about all your right. <laughs> oh. Yes. But do you exactly? But like you know, you have the process. Like, and I remember like your friends telling you write everything down. Like when you think of something funny, just write it down. Do you still do that? Do you still mine things that happen in your life? Do you still write stuff down? No, but I, I, I should, and that that is the best advice I was given when I first started doing stand up. Yeah. Every time you have something funny happens, or or something that you say that people laugh at, write it down and turn it into a joke later. I started off doing that. I haven't done that in so long. I might need to pick it back up. I think you should. Uh, Jaleesa Casterdale, who's a, a comic and a Jeopardy champ, and I had her, she was on my last show, uh, my old podcast, and she got a note. She said George Carlin. You remember George Carlin, I hope. You're a younger guy. Yeah. Yeah, you're not that much uh -huh. younger. Uh, she sent no. him a, a fan letter. You know, this is obviously before he died. He came back and he said, thank you for the letter. Keep working, because, you know, she works as a comic, and I think still does, even though she does, she does everything. And he said, just keep writing everything down. And, you know, when I think of stuff, uh, I used to write it in a notebook, and now I just put it on Twitter, and I don't know if that's a, a good move or not, but, like... I wish I could do that. Yeah, well, your Twitter is, is very PG, and I don't know if you're trying to, to swing a corporate thing or not, but, um, you know, you don't put a lot out there, uh, at least on that uh, kilter, at least. Not right now. I mean, I will every now and then. There's some times where I'm tweeting something, and I'll just delete the whole thing. So I'm like, somebody will say something, have a problem with something. So I kind of, I'm still trying to get my feel on how I want to be on Twitter. Yeah, and I tell you, people love being pissed off. I don't, I don't know what it is, but just get so yeah. excited about jumping out of bed, and getting angry. I let me exactly. add one more question about the comedy thing because when I was listening to your set, you had this amazing. 
bit about abortion, and I, it would it would tickle me pink. <laughs> you, you remember which one I'm talking about, right? Uh, I, I got oh, I some recollection. Yeah. The a, a little bit. Was the weed dealer? He was, talking, he was asked about abortion. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't remember that one. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'll do it. Look, I'll, I'll find the clip and I'll post it. You know, I'll cut it in the show. But it was... It was okay, I, cool. I, um, I'll try and do it, you know, and, and I apologies in advance for not doing it justice. But you're talking about this weed dealer who's and they're having, like, the political conversation. It's like, well, are you pro-abortion or anti-abortion? And the guy was like, and I, damn it, I can't do the voice, but it was like, yeah, man, I mean, I've done a couple, but I wouldn't say I'm a pro at it. <laughs> I mean, I just butchered the shit out of that. I, I'm sorry. Moving on. Let's, That's all right. Should we talk about football? Post the clip. Post the clip. Post the clip. <laughs> I'll post the clip. I'll post the clip. Um, you know, Black Monday is like a thing, even though there, like, there weren't any coaches fired on Monday. It all kind of happened uh, in advance. But, like, right. know, I, I wanted to get the players' perspective on this, and especially from you. You were in Notre Dame when, when Charlie Weiss uh, was let go. You were in Miami, if I'm not mistaken, when Joe Philbin was fired after four games. Do I have that right? Yep, that's right. Yeah. My, my, the first question to you, though, I mean, do, do the players know it's coming? I mean, is there is there sort of the smell of blood in the room, you know, when a team is not meeting expectations and, and coaches are, are answering questions about their job security and press conferences? Do the players know when a coach is about to get fired? I mean, we don't really know, but we kind of have an idea just like everybody else, you know, the, the the thing about it is you can kind of feel the atmosphere change a lot. Yeah. And you, you can see where, you know, certain certain guys in management are talking to the coaches. And you can see the relationship, the dynamics of it change. Yeah. So, and, and that way you kind of have an idea. But at the same time, too, it's funny because, you know, believe it or not, that stuff when people are talking about on NFL Network or ESPN or, you know, any other pundits are talking about it, that stuff is going on in the locker room or the TV's playing in the training room and, and guys are sitting right there watching it. Yeah. And sometimes coaches come in and out and they're talking about job security. I mean, it's really just kind of the nature of the business. Yeah, it's messed up. It doesn't really happen in any other walk of life. Uh, when, it right. does, when it does happen, you know, and we have a new guy coming in, and you, especially being a college, being recruited by a guy, and then that guy is gone. How, is it a motivating factor? Does it just scare the shit out of you? I mean, where does it fall in terms of like how it affects the locker room? I think I think sometimes it's it's good for everybody. Um, I, sometimes if you're close to the coach, I mean, obviously that's going to play a part, and you, you know how you feel about it right away. Yeah, but I think. You give the coach kind of a clean slate. You kind of want to see his expectations are, and you want to meet those expectations because you want to try to, you know, continue your success or get on the field. Either one of those. Right. Right. So, and and also you care about winning too. So you know his success is also your success and the team's success. So a lot of guys come in open minded about it, and a lot of guys really, you know, take the opportunity to kind of go in with a clean slate with somebody. So so they welcome that opportunity. How much can you clean the slate? How much can a coach coming into the middle of the season, especially, whether it's a you know, position coach or uh, coordinator, special teams guy, whatever, how much can you change in that amount of time? I, I think it can happen. Uh, you know, it, especially if you get a coach in college, for example, you know, when Coach K 
Kelly came in. I think he came in in December. Yeah. Um, before his before his bowl game, and I think that that was enough time to make an impression on him, regardless of what he had heard about you as a player, you as an individual. You you still have that opportunity to gain his trust uh, about what you do on the field and what you do off the field. So I think it's enough time. But at the same time, you know, coaches still kind of keep in the, in the back of their mind what they heard from the previous staff or from yeah. people that they trust, too. So it's also, you know, it's twofold. you got to kind of show him that, you can, that, that he can trust you, and you got to dispel the rumors and the perceptions about you, too. So it, it is kind of a battle. Change gears here to the, the playoffs. The playoffs are set. Uh, eight teams in action this weekend. Uh, as a player, how much football do you have to watch? How much do you know about the teams? Um, you know, whether you're watching a nationally televised game, how much football are you able to watch during the season? Uh, you keep track of everybody. I mean, because it's it, you know it's a it's a family, so you keep track of you know guys you play with at different places or guys you compete with, or you want to see you know who may win the MVP this year because. Or who you may want to vote for in the Pro Bowl? Who's having a good year? You kind of, you kind of want to see those things because you got to end up voting for the Pro Bowl too. But also because you're competing with those guys and you may see them. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of times though, it, it, it's hard when you get a team that you know is doing really well and you have never played them, and it's kind of like you just kind of hear from word of mouth. You know, a lot of teams that haven't played the Raiders in the past couple of years, they probably don't know how good of a team they've been this year. You know what I mean? Right. So, and I was just going to say that you're going to see basically a, a different team when, when you have a different quarterback. Uh, you know, other things being equal, uh, like the Packers are, couldn't be hitting the, the playoffs at a better time. Detroit right. has been dodging a lot of close games. Does the approach change? Do the gears change? Is the approach different in Week 18 uh, compared to Weeks 1 through 17? Yeah, I think guys are just more locked in. Um, especially, you know, if you're if you're a wild card team and you're playing in the first week of the playoffs, I think it's just a different feel to it. I mean, guys, you know, early in the week they're focused on you know getting health and you know getting healthy and getting guys back on the field that you know maybe were nicked up and banged up. But you know, for the rest of the week, man, it's just a lot of preparation for your opponent, a lot of film study, a lot of cards, a lot of walkthroughs. You know, it's kind of you, you get a kind of a um, you know preseason training camp feel to it, where you're all day you know focused on your opponent, and that's pretty much all you're doing. It, it's a lot different if you're a bye week team, though. Sure, sure, understandable. Now contrast that with uh, you know what happened in New York with OBJ and, and Victor Cruz and, and all those other guys going down to Miami. And I was like, you know, guys, do what you want. And then I found it like. Justin Bieber is there. Manziel's out there. Like, where do you fall on that? Just like, if that was your teammate, guys going down there, you know, in your Timberlands and, and hanging out on the beach, like, like, where do you fall on that? Is that still cool, or is that, you know, is it grown-ass man territory, or is it like, hey, you need to dial in here? I think it's a little bit of all of it. I mean, it's grown-man territory. Um, you know, it happens quite a bit in the NFL, so that's why it's kind of grown-man territory. Sure. If you if you want to go out and do that, as long as you're back to work and you're getting and you're not missing any time and you're focused on you're in the building, and that's what I that's what I keep hearing about Odell. So I don't think it's a huge problem, but I think it it can become a problem when you start getting a bunch of your teammates to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. If if that's Odell's routine, if his routine is you know he wants to blow off some steam, he may go here, he may go there, he may go out here. That's him. That's what he wants to do. That's a part of his routine. 
But when you start getting the other players and you start changing their routine because they want to come hang out with you, then that could become a problem. But I don't really know anything about, you know, do those guys usually all, all go out together or what, but that's the only problem that, that could arise. But then again, you think about it, we really take different approaches because you think of, you know, New York, that may fly in New York, but I don't know if that would fly in New England. Sure. Not with just the coaching staff, but I don't know if the players would, you know, would really be okay with that. No, I hear you. Well, you know, I, I looked at the, the weather report. It was 41 degrees in New York City on Monday, and it was 76 degrees in Miami. So I, for me personally, it's kind of hard to follow the guy who just wants to get out of his overcoat for a little bit, you know? Right, right. And not to mention, they probably had a PJ, man. They probably had a private jet. Yeah. They probably were had a time where they wanted to leave and they probably were good to go and they had extended time off so i don't really see it being a big deal but as long as they back locked in for work and you don't see any any changes on the field yeah it, it's nothing not a big problem no i hear it uh 2016 is in the books at least the regular season is and, and, and I, from jonas just from you i want to get like one guy player that impressed you offense defense touched the ball didn't touch the ball was on TV all the time, was not on TV at all. Give me one guy that impressed Jonas Gray this year. One person that really has impressed me, especially because I played played with him, and I was always impressed by the way he worked and the talent that he had, and now that it's showing, I think it's pretty cool, and that's Jay Ajayi. Yes, yes, he has been uh, fantastic. And that Jai, I think, was on his way, but I did not expect I think he's a year or two, maybe two years early, uh, based on what he's done this year. Very impressive. That's a great one. That's a great one. Uh, listen, we're, we're way over time. You've been so cool. You put up with some, some technical stuff on my end. Uh, let's do some, and I'm not going to ask you to pick the playoff games. I'm going to name a team. We'll do like a word association here. You just tell me. Uh, what you like, what you don't like about these teams. Do you think they can win the conference to represent their respective conferences in the Super Bowl? How's that sound? Okay, cool. I think I, I, think I got you. Let's do it. <laughs> so, Detroit. Kind of coming in cold. Lost a few games. Not great defense. Uh, Stafford's playing out of his mind. And then and Jim Caldwell, who has more playoff wins than the entire franchise does in the last 50 years. What do you think of Detroit? I think it's tough for them. I mean, going to Seattle will be tough. Um, but I know Seattle just lost the last home game there, didn't they? I think they did. Well, you, you got me on the spot now. I think they lost to Arizona. Yeah, they lost to Arizona. They lost to Arizona in the last home game. I think. So, I, I mean, they're not unbeatable at home. And, you know, Detroit has been playing all year like, like they're in the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've been playing those last second games all year. And those are the teams that you really got to be careful about, those teams that go on those five, six-game win streaks during the season. So I, I think Detroit may have a chance. It's going to be a close game. Those teams are pretty evenly matched. Yeah, I, I love the way Stafford has played this year, too. He's just been outstanding. Uh, Green yeah. Bay, that home in Lambeau, hot quarterback, defense is eh. What do you think of the Packers? If the Packers can get the pass where it's going and Clay Matthews can, can get to the quarterback, I think they have a good chance, but I'm not sold on their defensive backs at all. I mean, I think they got away with with one last week that the Lions didn't play very well, yes. and they didn't attack them as well as they could have in the secondary. I, I remember I seen the one interception that Stafford threw to Golden Tate. They had Mecca Hyde on Golden Tate. He's a backup safety. Yeah. 
I, I just I, I don't know if they have all the cover guys and they're healthy enough on the back end to win to win that game. I hear you. What about uh, the Steelers? I mean, it seems like uh, you know they haven't been in the playoff. Well, I mean, they, they took it to the Bengals last year, two years ago. Uh, not yeah. so much. What do you think of Big Ben uh, in Pittsburgh? I think they're a scary team, man. I think they're, they're healthy. I think they're they're playing really well. They're hot at the right time. But I think Miami, for some reason, has had their number. I mean, they beat them early in the year. I mean, well, that that might have been last year that um, Antonio Brown almost returned that touchdown at the end of the game. Miami has always played them pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know if they're necessarily a shoe-in to win that game, but I'm picking Pittsburgh. And I think if they if they can get past Miami, they're going to have a good chance to maybe come out of the AFC. Uh, let me set up this last one for you because uh, your best run in college, big seventy nine yard rush against Pittsburgh. You just like took the ball and you went down the field. You got a big downfield block from. Do you remember who? Michael Floyd, yeah. <laughs> who is now with uh, the Patriots. He probably doesn't even have his bags mm-hmm. unpacked yet. Uh, what You've played with Michael Floyd. You know the Patriots to some extent. What is Michael Floyd going to do for that team and bring to that team? We've seen some of that already, but from your perspective. I mean, first, first he's just talented. He's going to bring more talent to the wide receiver position. He's going to be the downfield threat that they need. He's going to be a red zone threat. Um, and He's gonna he's gonna learn a lot himself from playing with Tom, so his level will be elevated. He's already a talented player. Yeah. His level will be more elevated once he gets really acclimated to their system. I mean, I think he's gonna have a breakout playoff. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he does with Tom. And I think he's having fun. He's having fun playing too. Yeah. I don't know how much fun he had this year in Arizona, but he's having fun playing. He's letting loose. I mean, I, I haven't seen him do something like that type of big block like he had last week in a long time. I haven't seen him play that aggressive, so I, w- I was really happy to see that. I think he's gonna he's gonna be a big part of the of them in the playoffs of their offense. Jonas, where do you like to watch the games? Playoffs, everybody gets a big screen, wings, whatever. What do you do for uh, you know big time football games? I, I like to be at home, man, at home and just watching it. And I, I'll text my boys that, that play and. We'll, we'll text about the game throughout the game, but that's that's about as much as I do. I like to relax at home, and cause I like to stop it, and I even show my fiancé stuff sometimes uh, on the blocking schemes and the blitz that's about to come, just so I'm still got my mind on football, too. Sure. And also because, you know, I, I don't want a whole lot of people talking about the game and what should happen. And I, I just, I see it from a different perspective, you know what I mean? So I like to just... I can't. I like to kind of just chill out and watch it at home. No, oh, well, I hope you get some some great chill out this weekend. Uh, this was tremendous. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough, especially for putting up with everything else. Uh, the website is thejonasgray.com. On Twitter at jgray underscore nd25. I hope that's not also your password, by the way, because that would be catastrophic. A lot of letters and no. numbers in there. Hey, so no, it's jgray one two three four. <laughs> I have the same combination on my luggage. That's amazing. This has been uh, so great. I can't thank you enough. Uh, if you if you want to plug anything or anything else, just let me know. Uh, we'll bring you back, or we'll just throw something together. Uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time, and, and I hope you have a great night and a great weekend. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, buddy. We'll be in touch. Thank you. 
Jonas Gray. So another 200 yard game in his future? I would not be surprised in the least. Listen, uh, with all the problems we had tonight, uh, we, had, we had a great interview. Hopefully you got some insight about uh, what's happening in the NFL coaching carousel. Look, we're going to try this again next week, and we're going to do a lot better. I'll have my studio. The sound will be better. Aaron Nagler is going to be with us. Uh, Packers beat writer now, obviously, formerly my college, colleague at Bleacher Report. And uh, I'm just thrilled to get this thing out the door at this point, I'll be quite honest. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for coming back, whether you were, were listening to me uh, on SiriusXM or uh, the Bleach Report podcast that, that Aaron and I were doing for a while or uh, uh, the old House of Pute show. Uh, welcome back. And it, it is great to be back. We will have a new show for you next week. Uh, until then, for Jonas Gray, I'm Josh Zirkel. Have a great night, great weekend, and I will see you on the internet. <laughs>